You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Colleen. My name is Ramses. And we're missionaries in Guatemala. In May of 2011, I moved there full time and met Ramses. We later fell in love and got married. We still serve there today. There are three parts to our vision. The first one is walking with families in crisis to help them get to a place of sustainability and stability. We do this by providing on-the-job training, education, nutrition, and discipleship. So right now we're heading to visit one of the families that receives food donations. Um, The family that we're visiting right now, her name is Apollonia, and she has three daughters. She has no education. It's very hard for her to find a job. And so the family often goes without food. Um, And what Servants does to help is we are sending her daughters to school and we pay for everything that that entails as far as supplies and school clothes. La segunda parte es discipular y caminar con las iglesias a través de un programa que existe en Guatemala para llevar a la gente a los pies de Jesús. The third part to our vision is walking alongside churches as we work to help the one in five Guatemalan children who are orphaned. Our goal is to see them living in a Christian, godly family and not in an institution. Hay dos maneras en que nos puedes ayudar, por medio de oraciones y económicamente. If you would like to give, please visit connection-church.com give. Morning, church. Hope you guys are doing good. Um, I'm really looking forward to today and what God's going to do in our hearts. I know God has really been working in my heart this morning already, and so I'm really excited about that. Um, we're in a series called Built to Last, and it's, this whole series is going to come out of First Peter chapter 2. And so if you have, have your Bibles, we're going to look at verses 1 through 10. Uh, this morning, I really want to just jump into this, and we'll, uh, we'll read verses 1 through 10, and then we're going to pray. 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. This is Peter. He's writing to the churches in Asia, the, the Christians who are scattered throughout Asia. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up into your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Have you tasted that God is good? Have you experienced Jesus in a way that you know you have tasted the goodness of God? As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, I chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. 
but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your heart for us, God. Thank you that you love us, God. Even when we're unlovable, God, you, you loved us. Even while we were yet sinners, God, you gave your son for us so that we could be set free, God. And God, you cleansed us and made us a holy temple for the Holy Spirit. And God, right now, we just pray that he would come and work in our lives, that you would fill us full of the Spirit of God from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, that our very DNA, the very fibers of our being would be set on fire by the Holy Spirit this morning. God, would you do something in us that only you can do, God? God, we trust you. We know you're here. Would you come in a mighty way, like a rushing wind, and blow through this place so that your power would fill us, would change us, and would use us for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to be honest with you, um, this week I studied and I studied and I studied, and it was one of those weeks where I felt like I was beating my head up against the wall. Um, if you're a pastor, then the reality of it is uh, that Sunday's always coming, right? Um, so when you finish one message on Sunday, the reality of it is there's another one because it happens every seven days, right? And so um, I, as you go through the week, it's, it's, it can become very stressful when you don't feel like God's given you a message and you don't feel like he's given you something. And throughout this week, as I prayed, I, I started writing down notes and I started going through different things. And I felt like God um, was, was showing me some stuff, but uh, I, li- I don't like to preach something unless there's a burden in my heart for it, unless God's really put this burden there. And so I, I started preparing it, but it just felt dead. It didn't feel like what God wanted. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I've got this message that I put together, but I believe it's just that. I believe it's something that I put together. And so I want to do what? I want to do what God wants me to do. And this morning, God moved in my heart in a way that he hasn't moved in a long time. And my prayer is that he moves in your heart the same way. Because when he does this, it does set us free. It does give us power. And there is power for the Christian life. First Peter, he talks about how the, the stone is precious to those who believe. And what he's talking about is Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. Cornerstone was something that was very precious. It was something that cost a lot. It was a huge stone that was laid whenever a building was being built. And and it took great um, work, great effort, great labor to be able to get this stone. And what Peter's saying is Jesus is that cornerstone, that stone that God has given uh, something that was very costly, something that required him to give up something that meant something to him something that he loved, someone that he loved. He gave up his son. And now it's saying and it's telling us that Jesus is that cornerstone, 
that Jesus is the one that has to be laid in our life first so that we can build off of him. He's the one that has to be built or that this new temple, the church is being built on. And if we don't have Jesus, we don't have anything. We don't have anything to give us direction. We don't have anything to give us um, all of, 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 of the integrity, all of the fruits of the spirit that God wants us to have as we build our life off of him. He doesn't, he, he wants to give us love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. All of those things he wants to give us. But if we don't build our life off of the cornerstone, then we don't have the power in and of ourselves to be able to produce that. It is only by the Holy Spirit of God that it's able to be produced. And many of us in here today are struggling and we're, we're, we're having hard, a hard time because Satan is really kicking our butt all over the place because we're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the reality is for us guys, we have to have the power of the Spirit of God. I'm not about to go crazy cuckoo on you. But the thing I will tell you is if we don't have God's presence, then we've got nothing. My greatest fear, and this is true, this is uh, the the God honest truth, I, I promise. My greatest fear about this church is not the finances. I think the board wishes it was more finances sometimes, but it's not. It's not the number of people that show up. I want to tell you my greatest fear is that somehow the anointing of God would leave this place that somehow God's presence would leave us, that somehow God's presence wouldn't be in me, that somehow we would, we would forsake what God can do and that we would try to build and labor for this house on our own. And the reality of it is, people, we can't build his house. We can't build his temple. Only Jesus can be the cornerstone of that temple and only the power of the Holy Spirit is able to build this temple together. See, the church is not a, a bunch of mortar and a bunch of stucco and a bunch of drywall. The church is the people. And we're gonna be looking at that over the next few weeks, but I'm telling you, this is what happens. The Holy Spirit comes into us. He begins to transform us. He pulls us into a community of people, a community of believers. And when we come together, we begin to build this living church, this living building, this living temple that begins to rise up to the glory of God. And it's no longer this temple that's built with bricks and mortar and all of these things. It's a temple that's built with the very people that Jesus has redeemed. That Jesus has come and has has redeemed, has, has taken as his own has transformed. And some people feel like there's, there's no way that God could redeem them, but I want to tell you that his arm is never too short to save. In fact, it, it, it gives God an even greater testimony when, when he takes people and plucks them from the mire and the muck of sin, when he takes them and pulls them uh, up out of the, the drugs or the alcohol or, or the homosexuality or, or the, the adultery or the promiscuity, when he begins to take you out of those things and out of those sins, he begins to change you and redeem you and begins to work in you, then that's what when God begins to be glorified as he begins to build these stones together, putting us together one by one to build this glorious temple that he is raising up to bring him glory in the earth. And I want to tell you, we've got to have the Holy Spirit. We've got to walk by the power of the Spirit of God. We've got to walk in the fullness of the Spirit of God. When uh, a couple of weeks ago, Susan, my wife, she 
decided to plan uh, a surprise getaway or a surprise date night. And, and, and so she was like, I'm not telling you where we're going, but, but we're going on a surprise date. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, because I don't like surprises that much. And so she's like, I'm going to surprise you and we're going to go on this date. And so we start driving and, and we're just driving and driving and driving. And, uh, and then she finally says, all right, turn left. Well, come to find out the surprise date was that we were going kayaking. Sounds cool. But we get there and, and come to find out, you know, here's the mistake we made. You can either take a single kayak or you can take a double kayak. And since this was a date night, we decided we would take a double kayak so that we could be together. The problem with the double kayak is you have to work with your partner. We were following our guide and, 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 and Susan had no rhythm. I love her to death, but she has no, had no rhythm in her paddling. And she starts paddling. She's like two on this side, one on that side, two on this side, one on that side. And I'm trying to just kind of go one on each side as we're paddling. We're going through these trails, y'all, that weren't much wider than this piano. And, and, and we're trying to be in sync and our paddles are clanking together. And, and, and finally, I just looked at her and I said, will you just put your paddle up? Just put it up. And I'll paddle. And the guide's up there, and he, he knew I was a pastor. And I'm like, he's going to think, what is this? This is the biggest heathen I've ever seen. Because, because I, we were getting angrier, and then I was like just having to think about Ephesians 5, that you know, I'm supposed to love her as Christ loves the church. And I'm just like, holy cow, this is just getting brutal. And, and so I, I'm, I'm trying to paddle. I ended up paddling us four and a half miles around this lake. I came away from date night with blisters on my hands. And so it was funny, but we, we struggled to be in sync. It was, it was a cool night, and I thank her for the effort. I give her a, a great big A for effort. Um, but the problem was we couldn't get in sync with each other. We, we were working against each other instead of working with each other. And I'm telling you, that's how many people are living their lives with God is we're not living in sync with the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not living in sync with who he is and what he does and what he wants to do in us. And we're fighting against him in many ways simply because we're too stubborn to surrender ourselves to what God wants to do. And I'm telling you today that if you will take and turn and begin to walk in the spirit of God, he will produce those fruits in you. He will do a great work in you. He will, he will work in a way that you didn't think it was possible. The power of the spirit of God would do in you what you could never do on your own, but it takes you surrendering. And when I tell you it takes you surrendering, I'm not talking about it takes you surrendering the things that don't mean anything to you. It's not bringing a sacrifice that means nothing. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, 1 and 2 that we're to bring, be a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they would bring sacrifices. We talked about this last week, all 12 of us that were here. And we talked about this, how they would bring sacrifices to God. And, and, and here's the thing, they had to bring a perfect sacrifice, one without blemish, one that was, was perfect in every way. And they had to bring this sacrifice, this animal to God for the sacrifice. God specifically told them in the Old Testament, you cannot take some lame, um, just blind, broken up uh, piece of junk sacrifice. You've got to take one that's perfect. You've got to take one that's good. And it's the same thing for us. We can't just bring God those things that we don't want. We bring him everything. 
If we're going to surrender and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, then it means that we come and we surrender it all. We hold nothing back. It's all given to God with open hands so that we are surrendered completely to him. And then the power of God can work in us. The other thing we've got to have people and we've got to walk in is a hunger for God. The Bible says in here that, that we're to crave pure spiritual milk. Because like living stones were being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offered to God. And it says in verse 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Listen, that's the huge part. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Do you know how good he is? Have you experienced the Holy Spirit? Because here's the thing, until you taste the goodness of God and you experience the goodness of God and you experience the power of God, you will never, ever long for him the way that a heart longs for him who has tasted the goodness of God. See, the goodness of God is seen in salvation. That's part of it. That's part of the goodness of God is salvation. If that were all, wouldn't that be enough? But the thing is, it doesn't stop there. We always tell you that there's, that's not the end of a journey. That's the beginning of a new life. And it's a new life with Christ. I had all of these things today that I was going to tell you about what it looks like to believe in Jesus, what it actually, how it manifests itself. But then this morning I realized there's really only one thing and it's the power of the spirit of God. That's the greatest gift that we receive when we come to Jesus is his spirit. It's by his spirit that we believe and we're saved. And it's by his spirit that we then begin to walk it out. But people, we can't walk in our flesh. We can't walk in ourselves, in our own power and think that somehow we're going to fulfill the work of God. We can't walk in our own power and somehow think that we can escape the power of Satan and the oppression that he's going to want to put on your life as soon as you start walking and, and living for God because he's going to come against you. And the only way to live, the only way to have that power is when the Spirit of God works in us. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is, this is not going to be up on the screen. You can look on with somebody if you don't have a Bible. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus is about to ascend and go to the Father. He's about to go into heaven. And, and he wants to give his disciples some last instructions. He says in verse 7, it said, he said to him, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, when he's coming back, it's not for you to know. He says, but, and it's a huge but, he says, in the meantime, but, here's what you're to do. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so what we've got to see is Jesus's last words to his disciples. The last thing he tells them is about the power of God. It's about the Holy Spirit. And he says, you're going to receive this power when the spirit comes on you. See, here's the thing I want us to always remember about church and about life. We can't do it on our own. This church cannot do what God's called it to do apart from the Holy Spirit. 
There is nothing we can do that can change someone's heart. Only the Spirit of God changes our heart. We cannot become a church that's dependent on lights, on, on, on haze. We can't become a church that's dependent on a charismatic speaker. We can't become a church that's dependent on a great youth, youth program. We can't become a church that's just dependent on a great small group uh, ministry. What we have to be is a church that is always in every day and every way desperate for the Spirit of God to move in our lives. That's the only thing that's going to do what God has called us to do is the Spirit of God. And I'm telling you, for so many people, this is a new thing. This is a new thing. This is something that you haven't experienced a lot. In fact, when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, the thing that I realized is that when, when we start talking about the Spirit of God, we, we all go to different ends of the spectrum. Some people believe he doesn't hardly do anything anymore, and then other people believe that he does everything and we never even talk about Jesus. But there's somewhere in there that we've got to fall where we're dependent on the Spirit of God, realizing that it is only through his power that anything happens. As Jesus tells us, it's so important that we receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. He tells the, the disciples to go to Jerusalem and he tells them to wait for him there, basically saying, until this power comes on you. And so they go to Jerusalem and they're, they're waiting. They're waiting on the, 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 this promise that God's given them. And I want to read to you what happened. It said, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. And listen, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, and visitors from Rome. All of these people were hearing them praising God in their own language. It was a miracle of speech, but it was also a miracle of hearing. And when the Holy Spirit comes, the thing I want you to get out of that and I want you to see is this. That when the Holy Spirit comes and begins to work in our lives, he brings power in our lives to gift us in ways that will be glorifying to him. That's what this was about. It was about glorifying God. Peter's going to stand up and preach the message here in just a minute. But the reality of what the Spirit did in them that day was he gifted them in a way and empowered them in a way that they could bring glory to, to Jesus, to God, as they declared his wonder for works and the things that he did. See, our worship would go to another level if we were filled with the Spirit of God, if we were walking in the fullness of the Spirit of God. I believe this, you receive the Holy Spirit when you're saved. You receive all of the Holy Spirit when you are saved. But the thing is, we leak. And we've got to be filled continually. Paul even says this in Ephesians 5. He says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit is basically how you would translate that be being filled. And so it's something we have to constantly hunger for, constantly long for. It's the craziest thing because there's a hunger and a thirst for it. It satisfies, yet it never satisfies us to the point where we don't want more of him. And so as we're filled, this power comes and he begins to work in our lives and he begins to work in our hearts. 
You can take our worship to another level as we grow in Christ, as we come in. It no longer becomes just words on a black screen. What it becomes is it becomes our heart's cry to God who has filled us with his presence and filled us with his spirit. Our eyes begin to be open to see more of who God is. How many of you would like to see more of who God is? How many of you would like to see more of him? How many of you truly in your heart would like to see God do something that only he can do in your life? Well, if he does that, it's going to be because we're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. These disciples were filled on the day of Pentecost, but if you go to chapter 4, they were filled again. There's a continual filling of the power of God that Christians have the opportunity and the privilege to walk in. But we've got to come to a place of surrender where the Spirit of God can work in us. First Peter says, I believe those who believe that stone is precious. One of the things that makes Jesus so precious is he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of God shows up, it doesn't mean that people start doing crazy stuff. It might look different than what we, we think it would look like. We don't know what God might do. But let me tell you what it looks like. It looks like people who are no longer walking in bondage to sin and shame and guilt. It's, it, it looks like people who are being set free from the things that have held them back. It looks like people whose chains are literally being broken off of them as the power of the Spirit of God works in them. It looks like a people who are hungry and longing for more of God, deeply yearning for him because they have tasted again the goodness of Jesus. Do you have that hunger? Do you have that longing? Do you want that? Do we even want God? And we like Moses when he said, God, show me your glory. We like Moses when he said, if, if you don't go with us, God, I don't want to go. Do we want more of him? I'm going to tell you what happened this morning. I've shared a lot of struggles with you guys over the, the years. I've, I've opened my life up to you and I've extended it to you and just said, here it is. It is what it is. You know, do with it what you want. And you know, there's a lot of struggles that I've had even recently with health and with different things. The more I tried to figure out what was going on, the more I realized that this was a spiritual battle. It was a spiritual battle. And this morning at at, at 8.30 every week, the prayer team comes and they pray over us or over me, whoever's speaking that day, they pray over them. And this morning they were praying, they were going around the room praying as they always do. But this morning as they were praying, two of them got up and they came over and they put their hands on my back and they laid hands on my back and they began to pray. And I've been crying out to God lately for more of his presence, for more of him, to break this oppression that's in my life. And guys, I'm just telling you what happened. When they put their hands on my back, I felt the power of God go from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. 
I experienced him in a way that I haven't in a long, long time. My heart had gotten stale. The fire in my, my belly wasn't burning bright. But this morning, what I know is that God touched me in a way that he hasn't in a long time, and he broke that stuff off of my life. It was almost as if I could see it before where it was just darkness. And then there, when they prayed, it was like light came. And listen, here's the thing I know. I know that it doesn't mean the battle's over. I believe the battle's just beginning because I believe that what God's going to do in this church is just beginning. But I also believe that there's power in God to do the things that we can't do to give us victory that we can't earn. That's what we receive. One of the things we receive when Jesus died on the cross is victory. And he's given us this victory. And I want to tell you, I believe this with all my heart, that God is fanning into flame that fire that I received from the laying on of hands. There's power in that. That's what Paul told Timothy. Fan into flame that gift the spirit which you received by the laying on of my hands, fan it into flame. And that you know if you're starting a fire and you got a little fire going, you blow on it. You blow on it. And the cool thing about it is that's what the spirit does with us. As we're saved and we are filled with the spirit of God, we leak, like I said, and that flame can begin to go out. The awesome thing is God comes in and he begins to blow again with the power of his Holy Spirit to fan that into a flame, to, to fan it into something that's roaring, that's big, that's bright, that's beautiful, that other people can see and know and walk and feel and touch because they see you a tangible representation of God. But we've got to allow God to blow into us the Spirit that only he can give, the Holy Spirit. See, it's not a thing, it's a person that we're, we have. It's the privilege that we have as the children of God that we can walk in the power of the Spirit, that we can know him that intimately, which ought to be our goal in life, to know him more. And listen, this is... That's the core of the message that I feel like God gave me for you this morning. He said, if you desire him, he won't disappoint you. If you seek him, he will be found. If you knock, the door will be opened. When you cry out to him, he's going to answer. He's going to fill you. Jesus tells us that. That God will fill us with his spirit. He told us that before he ever even went to the cross. But today my question is, do you hunger for him? Are you hungering for his presence, for what he can do? And today, this is what I want to do. I'm going to ask... Chase or whoever's going to play today, if they would come on and begin to play. There's something that seems more spiritual when there's music. I don't know why. 
But this is what I want to do. I'm going to ask you, if this is you and you are hungry for more of God, then I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat and come to the front. If you need the power of the Spirit of God, then I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat and come to the front and let us pray for you. Let us lay hands on you. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to come and just stand at the front. Just stand at the front and let us lay our hands on you and pray for you. If you say, today, I need the Holy Spirit working in me. I need the Holy Spirit living in me. I need him to thrive in me. I'm hungry for him and you need more of him. Then come to the front. Let us pray for you. Let us lay hands on you. God is no respecter of persons. If he did that for me, he'll do this for you. You just get out of your seat. I believe this with all my heart, people, that God will move in you. And I'm telling you, when you come to this altar, you leave it there. You you, you surrender it completely here. You let it go here. You let it go here. I'm going to ask our prayer team, our connect group people, listen, you come and pray. All of our staff, you come and pray with folks here at the altar. You come and pray. For the rest of you, listen, let me say a prayer and a blessing over you. You can still come if you want prayer. We're going to spend, we finished early. We're going to spend the next 15 minutes or so ministering to people because that's what we're here for. Let me pray and give and bless you as we leave. Father, thank you so much for your heart for us and your love for us. God, give us more of you. Give us more of you. Give us hunger for you. Do what only you can do in our lives, Jesus. What only you can do in our lives, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.